there are, there's a common thread for people that are successful, resilience, perseverance, and, and you have to be passionate about what you do. I never feel like I'm going to work. So when I, you know, sort of call it 24-7, it never feels that way. Welcome to the Yahoo Finance Presents podcast. I'm Alexis Christophorus. The latest figures are pointing to a slowdown in the housing market, mainly because of rising interest rates and home prices that are still too high for many people. But the luxury market is still showing signs of strength. Joining me today is one of New York City's top real estate brokers, Lisa Simonson of Douglas Elliman. Lisa, it is a pleasure to have you here. Thank you so much, Alexis. Before we uh, we get into the, the luxury market, would love your take on the overall housing market. Do you think the recent decline we've seen is a temporary lull or a major pullback? Um, I think that it's somewhere in the middle. I think that housing prices have been escalating over the last you know, few years, um, really over the con- uh, over- overall, and that this is definitely, I think a lot of it is also just a market correction. So what about the luxury market? Have you been seeing softness in that market, which is really your specialty? Um, yes, there certainly is. A, it is. There's no question we are in a, sell, in a buyer's market. And I refer to um, my categories sort of are the working rich and then the uber rich for my own clientele. Mm-hmm. And the, you know, the working rich are people that are still concerned about their bonuses and have those types of issues, even if they're earning a lot of money by most people's standards. And then the sort of next category are people that really don't care mm-hmm. and can really really buy whatever they want, but still want value and, and, and don't want to feel that they're overpaying. Really, that's nice to hear. Even they're looking for a bargain, I guess, in in their uh, world. I wouldn't call it a bargain. I would say that they just want to make sure that they're not overpaying. Okay. What about um, where the demand is coming from for some of these really, really expensive luxury um, properties? Are you seeing the demand coming from overseas? We know there was a, there were a lot of Chinese buyers at one point. Are you still seeing that? Uh, we are definitely seeing a slowdown for the Chinese buyers and the Russian buyers. We're having more uh, South American and Middle Eastern buyers. That's what we've been seeing more of the last year or two. But however, of course, we still do have Chinese and Russian but it certainly isn't like it has been over the last five years, let's say. And in terms of who are buying these, it's, you know, there's people that come here, the empty nesters for pied-à-terres, and then there are, you know, surprisingly, or I mean, it's, it may be surprising for some people, there's still a lot of families and young families who want to raise their, um, their, their families in New York. Yeah, I mean, we have really seen that shift over probably the past decade, if not more, that families are not necessarily looking to the suburbs to raise the kids anymore, right? Why do you think that is? What are you hearing from clients? Yeah, no, I think people really are trying to stay in New York, uh, and they're trying to stay in New York for the obvious reasons that one would, you know, think about New York City. There's, uh, you know, some of the best education, the best museums. Of course, we have Hudson Yards. There's just, you know, New York is a city that uh, is very abundant on, you know, its culture, its restaurants, and all of the things that one thinks of or associates with New York City, and people would prefer to raise their families here. What area of New York City is hot with your clientele? I mean, I you know what comes to mind is views of Central Park, but what you know Sutton Place? What's right. what's hot? Uh, I think what uh, I mean downtown has certainly over the last few years become much hotter than uptown. Living on the Upper East Side now, actually, you find more value in terms of price points than you um, did over the last ten years. Um, downtown is much hotter in that sense in terms of price uh, and neighborhoods. And now, of course, we have Hudson Yards, so that's 
you know, that, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Lots over the next of celebrities few years. down there. Sarah Jessica Parker and Alec Baldwin, and all those folks have their their homes, or or in many cases, townhouses. Absolutely, a lot of them have townhomes. What about New York State? Never really having been a tax friendly state, and right. now you have uh, the the Trump tax reform that has reduced the state and local tax deduction that Americans can take on their annual income tax forms. Are you seeing? I mean, we're seeing these reports of they're calling it an exodus of the wealthy. Um, you know leaving New York City. Are you seeing that? Uh, there's no question that there have been, you know, there are, there are many people that have chosen to go to Florida for that exact reason. There's now the pied tax that we're hearing about. It has still hasn't gone through. However, uh, there are still a, you know, a very big portion of people that is exactly what we were just saying, will still stay, opt to stay in New York and raise their families. Now, you uh, actually smashed through um, New York City real estate records back in 2011. Was that with the Plaza condominium sale? Yes. $48 million, folks, for how, how big was this apartment? It was one of my very good friends. I had sold her the apartment, and it was a 6,000 square foot apartment. It was a combination of three apartments. So I have to tell you, people, especially people outside of, of large cities like New York and, and L.A., here $48 million for an apartment. And they go, wait a minute, where's my backyard? Where's the green here? What, uh, tell us, why would someone spend that kind of money on, at the end of the day, a condominium? Uh, great question. They they would spend that kind of money because uh, they're you know again they're in New York City and in terms of the backyard it's across the street it's, it's called Central Park so uh, now you had actually uh, brought both buyer and seller together in that deal. Tell us a little bit about it. I'm sure that you can't speak too freely about right, it, but right. whatever you can share with us, I think people are fascinated by these kinds of deals. Yeah, no, I mean, they're, you know, I guess the, the sort of fun part I'll start with is that we have an expression on um, buyers are liars, and it's not in any way disparaging to our clients, but oftentimes they think they want something and they may want something else, and this client had actually would go by Central Park and plug her nose and say, you know, I'll never live there. So mm-hmm. that's where the, I can start the story, and obviously, the, you know, the rest is history. And it wasn't on the market, so there was, uh, you know, she had a lot of broken was chasing her. Everyone knew she was going to buy a big apartment. So it was really doing sort of reverse psychology and figuring it out. I told her she wouldn't be able to see it. So, you know, there's, <laughs> I sort of wove a web and then the rest is history. You mean not be able to see the apartment until she agreed to buy the no, apartment? No, I just, I knew that, you know, as soon as she <laughs> was told that it wasn't possible, that that would intri- intrigue her. Okay. And that was sort of the beginning of getting her into the apartment. Do you and find, you know, it's interesting, we always sort of, it's just human nature to want what you can't have. Exactly. When That's Do you right. find that when clients, uh, whether they have, they're uber wealthy or not, when they feel they can't get something anymore, when when what they wanted, um, what they were on the fence about, someone else has already put in a bid, do they generally want to come back and up that offer and want it even more? Well, there's, I mean, I think that's true in life. There's the red velvet, the, um, the red carpet, you know, behind the rope or whether you're behind or in front. And yes, I think there's no question human nature prevails. And there's absolutely um, something about when you're not able to get it and you're not able to have it that you're more attracted to Can it. Can that sometimes be an incentive for these folks to, to raise the price? Ab- yeah. Absolutely. And so talk to us about some of these other, I mean, I myself am fascinated by some of these deals that you were able to broker. So the most expensive Fifth Avenue mansion? 
Um, I yes, well, I listed. I, I you know I've had quite a few big big listings over my career. My first house was actually um, Bob Guccione's house. It, it's uh, it, we actually changed the name of it to the Millbank because that sounded a little bit more. You know, it, I have elegant, to agree, it does. Right? Yes, <laughs> um, but that was a twenty five thousand square foot house on Sixty Seventh Street, and uh, I've had some you know pretty. Pretty um, incredible listings over my career. You really have now. If this is the one you're referring to, is this the one that sold? It was a loft sold for fourteen million. Uh, I read that you had early on in your career. Oh, that was a building, I so, believe. My first sale. Your first was a fourteen million dollar building downtown, and that was kind of. I'll just quickly share that with you because it's kind of fun. It was so good. Sort of the good news and bad news. You know, you hear that real estate is such a tough business, mm. and I walked into this building and I called, literally called a friend. He came in, walked up the flight, and said, "I'll buy it." So what? I was like, "What? This isn't. Why does everyone <laughs> not so normal, normal right? Lisa? Why does everyone think this is so difficult?" Anyway, <laughs> it, you know, I, I realized after that, it, you know, there were. Challenges coming, but yes, that's sort of how I started. <laughs> you know, talk to me about some of those challenges because when somebody looks at you, the body of your work over your career, it seems like, oh, you know, things come easy for Lisa. She's got the Rolodex. But what did it take to build that Rolodex? Well, I think, like anybody, you know, we all, there are, there's a common thread for people that are successful, whatever they're doing, whether they're, you know, an architect, a broadcaster, a, you know, and I think resilience perseverance and, and you have to be passionate about what you do. I never feel like I'm going to work. So when I, you know, sort of call it 24/7, it never feels that way. Mm-hmm. What about um, thick skin and confidence? Because I'd have to imagine for the many times people have said, have said yes to these really mega deals, I'm sure a lot of people have said no. Absolutely. And in fact, to me, um, no is the beginning of the conversation. And again, it goes back to the uh, buyers or liars, not, you know, not in a rude way. But, you know, like all of us, we, you know, it can be dating someone and you think you only want this and then you end up, you know, right? To keep an open mind, you have I guess. To, exactly. Right. So I think that, um, you know, when you hear no, I, if I hear no, I, I listen, but I just kind of put it at the back of my head and I, <laughs> I, I keep going until I'm told to like get lost. I like it. You also call yourself a real estate matchmaker. Tell me more. Yeah, well, that is, a real, I am a real estate matchmaker and I have very good intuition on what people like. Probably one of the reasons that I've, you know, I have done well, that I, you know, read people, I get a very, I, I, I don't listen to them as much as I'm getting a read, and then I figure out uh, um, probably what what they may like. And I also I don't wait for the phone to ring. I will call people that you know that are not looking and mm-hmm. say you have to come and see this. And even if they weren't really? even looking, so I uh, I'm certainly not waiting for the phone to ring. And in fact, I always laugh when I hear brokers say, "Oh, it's really quiet." I think I'll go away. For me, if it's quiet. I'm going to be in my office. Wow. Quiet's not a good thing. Right. You, know, you have to make things happen. Exactly. Meaning so. that if you have a client, you may call them up and say, you know, I saw this property. It looks just it has you written all over it. I know I, you're not looking right now, but come and take a look. I do it all the time. I have a client who's not looking at all. I haven't talked to him for a while. And I just sent him a text and sent him an apartment that he'd seen. And I said, do you want to swap? So I'm, I'm constantly engaging my clients. And again, I'm also looking at the, the market, if we call it a buyer's market right now, that uh, I don't look at anything with a negative or a positive. It just is. So it's a buyer's market. Great. So, he, you know, if there's an apartment he liked, he can swap and maybe, you know, do, do well on the, with the new acquisition. So I'm constantly thinking. Is it a buyer's market? I mean, I'm not talking about just the high end, but, but in general, have we, have we tur- made that turn from a seller's market to a buyer's market yet? 
It is absolutely a buyer's market, and that's at all the price points. It's a buyer's market, but people hear buyer's market, and they sort of, you know, that doesn't. They're still not coming to New York with five hundred thousand dollars and buying a four-bedroom apartment. So, you know, buyer's market could mean that that forty million dollar apartment. I'm just doing a deal like that. It, we're going to we're trying to get it for the low thirties. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's it's still substantial. And sure. if you're a two million dollar buyer, maybe your apartment was two and a half million. So, you know, right. you still need. Uh, liquidity and means to to participate. And the stock market has certainly been helping matters, absolutely. I would think, right? So people are flush with, right. with money right now. Is that right. what you're seeing? Uh, absolutely. Your, the last yeah. few weeks of obviously, you know. What about Amazon having, uh, you know, deciding not to come to New York City? There were there were a small group of very vocal um, local legislators who were against it and, and some residents as well. But by and large, people of New York City wanted Amazon mm-hmm. to come here. Mm-hmm. And we were talking a lot about how it was moving real estate prices, that people were signing contracts just on the on the promise that Amazon was going to come over there in Long Island City. Was that really a blow to the real estate, to the local real estate market? I don't think so. I mean, I had people on my team that were, you know, sort of trying to set up meetings and figure it out. And I, I know people, there were a lot of people thinking that way, but I don't think that at the in the bigger picture right now, New York is resilient and it's sort of like Hudson Yards right now is obviously a very hot topic. Uh, no, I don't think in the, on the bigger picture, it's going to affect much. What about uh, that Hudson Yards project? It's beautiful. It was a long time in the making. What what does that mean to a city like ours? Well, I think it's, you know, it's sort of, it's an evolution. It's 28 acres. It's $25 billion. And sales, Corcoran sales, have there. I think they're over 60% sold. Uh, there's the vessel. Um, so it's it's really a sort of a, an, a city within a city. And I think it's, uh, I th- you know, I think they'll be, it's probably going to be very good for tourists as well. So I think it's it's great. You know, there was a, a troubling article uh, recently about the state of New York City's finances and that we could indeed see a deep recession or possibly even a bankruptcy in New York City for the first time since Mayor Beam was in office. What does something like that do to your job, to your work, dealing with the high-end real estate person? Well, you know, I've been through a couple of crashes since I've been in New York. I was here, obviously, in 2008. And I, I've, you know, being through them and seeing what happens, I remember, you know, the day Bernie Madoff was arrested and the phones were completely quiet. Mm. Things, you know, things, New Yorkers, things turn around. So it doesn't really affect me and my day-to-day philosophy of work or business. Uh, what advice would you give to someone looking to break into real estate and to do what you're doing, meaning that you're trying, you're doing it on the high end? Because my first question to you would be, were you planning to do that when you got into real estate? Did you say, these are the kinds of properties I want to be selling? No, great question. And I think anyone of you sort of, you know, life to me needs to feel more organic. So, of course, everyone probably would prefer to high, sell at the high end if they were choosing. But no, just, you know, going back to my $14 million sale, that's just my comfortable. <laughs> oh, yeah, that little thing. Yeah, that little thing. <laughs> um, that's sort of where my, you know, that's where I started and that's where I, you know, have just continued to excel. And so advice to people who, who are breaking in who might think, oh, you know, this, I got, well, I, I don't, I'm not sure I'm not telling you anything new, but a lot of people see real estate as a, high, as a side hustle. 
for themselves. Um, should it be seen that way? Uh, well, those days are over. I think it's like, you know, things change. It's There used to be sort of the luncheon ladies that did this for fun. And obviously because there is a lot of money at stake, people, the, the stakes have gotten higher. So people, you're seeing people with Ivy League educations now in real estate. And, uh, you know, it, it's like real estate is like anything that anyone's successful in. You have to, at this point, it's no longer a part-time gig. It's no longer a side hustle. You have to really be passionate about it. And you have to, you know, work very hard. And when I say work hard, it always sounds to me negative. So, you know, it has to be something that you're very passionate about. And then, of course, the rest sort of follows. We know real estate, working in real estate is not always conducive to family hours because there can be late nights and there can be weekends because you're trying to accommodate clients. You are a mom of three. Your youngest is under a year old. How are you pulling it off? (laughs) <laughs> uh, lots of coffee. I, you know, real estate. That's one of the wonderful parts about this career. It's not nine to five. So when the kids are in bed, I can be up, you know, catching up and getting. Uh, you know, I can even be at the soccer game sometimes on my phone and doing things. So it actually works out perfectly for me. And I would imagine you have some help in the way of your husband and others. <laughs> uh, yes, my husband and others. <laughs> All right, Lisa Simonson of Douglas Elliman. Thanks so much for being with us. A pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening to the Yahoo Finance Presents podcast. I'm Alexis Christophorus. Be sure to rate, review, and share this podcast. And remember to subscribe so you never miss an episode.